Hey everyone, how's it going? This is Azarin the Language Nerd here. I'm the owner of the Calgary Language Nerds, and welcome to today's podcast episode. For those of you who have listened to this podcast for a long time, you might remember a couple years ago, I used to start these podcasts off with a weather update. I would tell you about the weather in my city. I live in Calgary, which is a city in Canada, and Calgary is a city that has, I would say, unpredictable weather, and also a very fluctuating weather, if that's the right way to put it. It's unpredictable in the sense that you can't predict the weather more than 48 to 72 hours out at a time. So if you're looking at the weather forecast and you're looking at the temperature in four days, it is highly probable that the temperature in four days is not going to be what the temperature is predicted to be four days from now, if that makes any sense. And second of all, our, our temperature fluctuates. So in the wintertime, we typically have freezing temperatures on a daily basis, but we get random warm winds from the mountains because we live clo- close to the mountains. So one day might be 20 below zero. So 20, do- so that's like, what is that in Fahrenheit? Something like minus five, minus six, I think, Fahrenheit, something to that effect. But then 24 hours later, it'll be a, it'll be above zero. It'll be... 32 degrees Fahrenheit, 40 degrees Fahrenheit. In Celsius, that's like 10 degrees, 5 degrees, something like that. And we get this warm wind that comes and melts everything. In the summers, we have hot temperatures, or rather hot for us, which is like 25 degrees, 30 degrees above zero. So that's like 80 to 85 Fahrenheit, something like that. And so our weather is uh, uh, quite unpredictable, and it also fluctuates quite a bit depending on the season. So today, when you look outside, I'm looking out the window, it looks like a sunny, a warm and sunny day. But when you go outside, it's not really that warm. There's this bite in the air. It definitely feels like fall. So right now, I'm in my basement, and it's cold. (laughs) I record podcasts from the basement, and so I'm sitting here in the basement, and I've got this thick blanket wrapped all the way around me. So I wanted to kick today's podcast off with a weather update for nostalgic reasons, because I used to do those. And uh, with that aside, let's dive into our language learning topic of the day. The language topic, the piece of advice I'd like to share, is something I've probably only said about two or three times over the years, and yet it's one of the foundational strategies that I personally use when it comes to learning languages. And I think it can be very effective for others. And this strategy has to do with using music to learn a language. I love music. I listen to lots of music in quite a number of languages. Most of the music I listen to nowadays is in Mandarin, because that's primarily the language I'm learning, as well as Gujarati, but I like Mandarin music more as a general whole. And so I'm listening to a lot of Mandarin music right now. There are a few things that I personally do to learn languages through music. And I would like to share those with you today. The first one is I will learn the chorus of any song that I like. I will learn the chorus. That'll be one of the first things I learn about the song. This is because the chorus repeats itself multiple times. And it's typically the best or at least the most important part of the song. So if I understand the chorus, I might not understand 100% of everything else. But at least I understand the main part of the song. So I'll look up all the words, I'll look up the lyrics on on Google, I'll translate them, I'll look in dictionaries. 
I'll look up any unfamiliar grammar points. I'll ask friends about them to help me translate anything I can't figure out on my own. And so that's one thing I always do. In addition, especially once I have an intermediate level, I will then go and translate the rest of the song. I'll translate the rest of it. So I understand the new words and new grammar points, what they're saying. And so every time I listen to that song, it becomes one form of vocabulary and listening practice, albeit casual practice and passive practice. Third of all, this is something I do naturally, but I don't think everyone does it. See, songs are a great way to notice how people actually speak. I'll, I'll give you the, an example of when I first noticed this. So 15 plus years ago, I was in France for the first time alone, and I was studying there. At that time, the internet existed, but it wasn't used nearly as much as we use it now. And I lived out in the countryside where the internet sometimes was kind of slow and not fully reliable. And so when I would hear songs on the radio, for example, when going to school, well, I didn't have any way to look things up. I didn't have a smartphone to pull out my phone and look up a word. I just had to listen carefully and then either go home and look up the word or just ask someone what that word meant. I didn't really have an internet to use to look things up all the time on the spot. So I'd listen very intently to the songs on the radio and to what people said. And I would start to notice ways that people would pronounce words in songs. Because in songs, they don't, how do I say this? Well, they don't sing the way people talk, obviously. And so I would notice how people pronounce things in songs, and then I would listen for those same patterns when people spoke. Does that make sense? So I'd listen to something, I notice, oh, in the song, the person is pronouncing the letter R kind of like this. Huh, I wonder if that's how people do it in real life too. And then I would listen in real life to see if people pronounce the R that way, for example. I don't know why, but sometimes I find that I notice pronunciation-related things more... I don't know if it's more in songs, but sometimes I notice things in songs that I didn't notice when I just heard people talk. And I don't quite know why that is. And so to this day, um, that's been something that I, I've done. That's been something I've done regularly. I'll listen to songs. I'll notice how they talk. Something will catch my attention. And I'll, and I'll think to myself, oh, that was different. That singer said that word differently than what I expected. Well, that's weird. And then I'll listen to real people talk in real life, not in song format, to see if others actually do that. I'll sometimes even ask friends or other native speakers or my teacher and be like, hey, I was listening to the song and the person said it like this. Is that common? Why did they say it like that? Do you know anything about that? And sometimes they, my teacher or my friend can shed light on that situation. For those of you that like to sing, if you like to sing along to songs, not everyone does, but if you are the kind of person who likes to sing along to songs on YouTube or on Spotify, the radio, whatever it is. Well, this is a, a, a great way, a, a very effective way for you to practice pronouncing the language in a natural way. Just half an hour ago, I was teaching a group Spanish class, and this was a class, a group class for learning through learning Spanish through music for intermediate speakers. And I picked a song called Sobrio by Maluma, and I picked it on purpose because in this song, Maluma does a few things that native speakers do frequently. Many native speakers do frequently when speaking Spanish. Not all of them, but many. There's things like with the letter D and how it's very soft. There's S's that get dropped. There's a variety of things. There's how certain words get connected 
like in Spanish, you're not going to say, for instance, ya que estoy. You actually say ya que estoy. So the que and estoy get blended together into a single word. It's not que estoy, but it's que estoy. And there's a lot of kind of examples of that phenomenon. And so I wanted to point it out to the students. So if, you're, if you like to sing, when you, in order for you to successfully sing along to a song, you have to sing it in the way that the singer sings it. And that forces your brain and your mouth and everything to understand how to sing, this, how do you pronounce words in a way that is not how it might be natural for you. Because let me tell you, what's natural for you as a language learner is probably not the actual natural way to say it. So even though people talk differently than they sing, there are things that people do in songs that translate over, that transfer over to how people talk in real life. So if you can sing along to a whole bunch of songs, odds are you can also talk a bit more naturally too. That's something I found. I'm not necessarily a, I'm not necessarily a huge singer myself per se, but even then, I'm, I'm so attentive when I listen to songs. I notice a lot of things and I listen to how things are pronounced. So I know already just if you are a singer and you're listening very intently and you're trying to sing it the way the singer's singing it, that is going to translate over to how you talk for a lot of you anyway. So that's the uh, language learning piece of advice I wanted to share. Moving on to the second part of the podcast, as I always do, I like to share personal development related things or I like to share... Uh, I like to share any observations I've had through my meditations on life. So what I'd like to share today is a pretty deep meditation I had yesterday. So if you're new to the podcast, I do these hyper-visual meditations. These meditations, it's like a visualization meditation, if you've heard of that. I think it's called visualization meditation. Or maybe it's called imagery meditation. I actually don't know the name for it. But it's something like that, but it's it's uh, on a different level. I've never quite met anyone that does something as quite like what I do when I meditate. So I had a meditation and as you guys know, what I do is I let my subconscious dictate what images come to mind. So I basically will run through kind of a movie in my brain, but I let my subconscious drive the movie and dictate what happens. So in this movie, there was, uh, there's a guy, he's, he's uh, in the middle of a war. It's, uh, it's like a medieval war. So he's fixing people's he's fixing people's armor, their swords. There's also like a he also runs like a little hospital that's behind the armor repair shop. So there's people coming in that have been injured, and I'm th this man fixing things. He's kind of an older gentleman, um, a weathered individual, very seasoned pro, and he's helping everyone out, fixing their armor, helping people helping people into the hospital that have been injured in battle. So. This guy, he looks out into a field and he sees this really evil dude, this evil black energy, like dark energy dude. It's like a human, but he's got some magic in him too. And he's fighting all the good guys and he's killing them and stabbing them and wounding them and whatnot. So this armor repairman, he decides, you know what? I'm going to go and talk to this guy. So he walks onto the field and it turns out the one who's killing everyone and, and the bad guy was me. And I was like, hey, that's actually me. I was like, what the heck? That's weird. Why would my subconscious create that as an image? So the armor repairman goes up and uh, he basically goes, hey, you need to remember who you are. This is not right. You got to remember, like, what are you doing? Almost like I was possessed by 
some demon or something. And there's a whole exchange that went through. We don't need to go through all the details. But suddenly, I found myself in some kind of a magical forest. And you know, in, in the Lord of the Rings, there's that, uh, I can't remember what the place is called, but there's the there's that one elf who runs, who who lives in that one part of the forest, which is like a paradise, basically. I forget her name. She's like an elf queen. A very, very powerful elf queen. I can't remember her name and the name of the place, but I think it's Lothlorien, maybe, if that's right. So the place in my mind looks something like that. Very serene, beautiful. And there's this queen, basically, there. It's not an elf queen, but it's like a queen. And she puts her hand on my forehead and she goes, hey, I'm going to help you remember who you are. And I was like, okay, go ahead. Yeah, help me remember. Puts her hands on my forehead. And it's very difficult to explain what I saw. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's also irrelevant for the story. I feel it inside. So I'm like, okay, so that's who I am. Interesting. I'm then in front of, I've kind of been teleported at this point, And I'm teleported. And there's this king in front of me. This severe, powerful, kind of scary looking king, to be honest. And we had a long dialogue, a long dialogue. This is a long, a long meditation, by the way. I'm not going to walk. It was over an hour, this meditation. We had a very long dialogue, this king and I. It was a very frustrating dialogue. I was getting very angry at him, and he, he, it was something else, something out of this world. But when I walked out of the, the dialogue, the message I walked out when I had this dialogue with this king, and the queen also eventually showed up, this queen who helped me remember, quote-unquote, who I am, Basically, the big message I walked out of, when I the, the big message I walked away with out of this meditation was something like this. Aim at the highest possible good. That was the, uh, that was the message I walked away with. That you are, because remember, the message I had was remember who you are. Remember who you are. And if I put it into words, because it's difficult to put into words, but remember who you are, who I am, because that's a question, who the hell are you? Who are you? Well, the message I had, the best way I can put it into words is something like the highest possible good. Who are you? You are the highest imaginable good. Not the highest possible, the highest imaginable good. So what is the highest imaginable good I can imagine? And I was like, whoa. So I have to act out. The king kept telling me the same phrase over and over, and I didn't get it, and I was getting really angry with him. But he's this very powerful king. He kept putting his sword up to my neck. And he's like, don't be a fool. Act as you are. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Don't be a fool. I'd ask questions. And he kept saying, don't be a fool. And I was like, right, that's a stupid question. Okay. Don't be a fool. He kept saying, act as you are. And I was like, what? Don't be a fool. Act as you are. And then we had a very long dialogue, as he said. And it was, yeah, something to the effect of act out the highest imaginable imaginable good that you are able that you can the highest possible good that you can imagine and it was it's almost like before that meditation that's not how i was acting i was prioritizing other things i was acting out in other ways i was prioritizing i don't want to say the wrong things per se but i was focusing not on trying to act out the highest possible good that i can imagine so now, and that's really been a big change for me because now when I'm looking at the day, when I have a couple of hours between classes, when I'm, it's nighttime and I have moments because I don't have like a typical nine to five job where you just go to work and you just 
go to work and do your job. You're just told what to do. You know, for me, I have to plan out the day. I have to really think through, okay, well, there's these classes, this meeting. I bought this task due on Thursday, this task due on Saturday. I told this guy I'd send him this document. I, I had to prep for that class tomorrow. I got this really interesting work opportunity with this guy. I have to navigate that. I got this other person who emailed me because they're angry about X, Y, Z. I got to deal. There's so many things going on. So sometimes it's almost like I didn't have, prior to that meditation, I didn't have an overarching, uh, what's the right word? I didn't have a North Star. I didn't have something that was pointing me in the right direction. So now I just ask myself, right now, what's the highest possible good that I can imagine? So right now, so today, literally getting meta, I was like, well, the best possible thing I can imagine right now would be, I got to get some content out because I was a bit behind and haven't gotten content out. I got to do that. I've got to clear out a certain number of emails. I've got some emails that need to be cleared out. I've got to eat lunch. I got to go for a walk today. I've got to be really prepared for an event I'm attending this evening. I got to be on point for this event. It's going to be difficult for me, probably. You know, there's a class I want to be really ready to go for. I, so I had a whole list of things. It's like if I got all this done and I did this, 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 acted in X, Y, Z way until certain time today, that's I cannot imagine any better way for that day to go. That's the best I can imagine right now. So that's how I have to behave. So it's something like picture the highest possible good that I can in the moment and then strive towards that. So that's the message I walked out of with that meditation. So once I had the conversation with the king, this might be the most important part, by the way. This is the part I had the hardest part swallowing, and I still haven't fully figured it out. Um, I ended up back in that battlefield, but now I was not covered in that disgusting, dark energy type armor. I wasn't infected anymore. And I looked around, and I was finally myself, and the armor repairman's like, you good now, Azra? And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, and... There's these dead bodies around me everywhere. I'd stabbed all these people. I'd caused so much destruction. And the armor repairman was some, said something like, if you don't remember who you are and you don't act as who you are, if you don't act as you are, in other words, if you don't act, it was something like, for me, if you don't act as the, in the, as the best, if you don't act out the highest possible good that you can imagine in the moment and you don't act that out, you were wreaking havoc around you. And I was like, good Lord. So if I'm not acting out the best good that I can imagine in the moment, I'm wreaking havoc. I'm metaphorically running around, chopping people's heads off and stabbing them and shooting them with terrible fire, burning them alive, like metaphorically. And I was like, good Lord. Oh my God. And I haven't figured out what, how that is, why that is. It's maybe because if you're not acting out the highest possible good you can imagine in the moment, at least for me, if I'm not doing that, who's driving the boat? Maybe that's the question. If me trying to do the best good that I can for myself and others, if that's not the conscious intention that I have when I'm behaving, when I'm acting in the world, what ethic am I following? And the question is, I don't actually know. Clearly something is driving it. But if I'm not thinking through in the moment, like, hey, what's the highest possible good I can imagine? Okay, the highest good would be I play with my sister. I do her exercises with her. I spend time with my family. 
I get this work task done. I do my stretches, my physio work. I go for a run. I get a really good night's sleep. So I'll do everything. Here's all the things I can do to make sure I sleep well. Uh, I've been putting off this one task that's quite charitable and I keep putting it off. Maybe let me do that. Let me be really prepared for the class so my students get the best possible education. Pfft, wow, that's the best I can picture for the, for the four hours remaining in the day, or five hours remaining in the, in the day. Cool, I guess that's how I'll behave. That sounds like a really good way to behave. But if you don't think that through, if I don't think that through, the thing I haven't figured out is, well, how am I just behaving habitually? Am I behaving based on what I feel like? Am I behaving based on, based on what? what what or who is driving the ship if it's not the highest good you can imagine and in my meditation what my subconscious told me was if that's not driving the ship you've got something evil driving the ship that's killing everything around you and of course that's metaphorical i'm not actually walking around with a sword stabbing everything i see but yeah, so it's really interesting. And maybe that's, and I don't know if that's really what I was doing. I don't think I'm going around doing all this bad stuff. I don't think. Maybe I am, though. Who the hell knows? But, you know, it's, it's funny how these kind of meditations work out. Now I've got a very clear, I've, I've said before, my meditations, these visual meditations, they show me how to live. They don't tell me how to live. They show me. It's it's a, it's it's a embodied knowledge. It's not inst It's not a written instruction manual. It's embodied knowledge. So it's like I have this very vivid image in my mind of if you don't act in a good way, here's an evil, here's all the destruction you could cause. And I've got this just terrible war war zone in my head of thousands of people that I killed bloodily or burnt alive with fire and stuff. So that keeps me in line. It's like, oh, act, good, act well because you don't want to do that. It's like a psychological trick maybe, I guess. So it's, it gives me a something really negative to be like, act well, because you don't want to do that. And then I've got the positive too, because I had that the memory with that queen and that king and the forest and showing me, you know, how to act in a good way and why that's good. And so I've got something good to go towards and something bad to run away from, something like that. So yeah, that's the most recent meditation I had. That was just yesterday. Crazy, you know, my meditations, my, my, my meditations are, I don't know where these things come from. They just show up in my head. I can literally start a meditation right now. I've actually thought about doing that. I've thought about doing a meditation while I podcast. So literally starting a meditation simulation in my brain, closing my eyes, going through it and just speaking what's going on as it happens. I should write like a how-to manual on how to do this. I don't even know. The how-to manual is really straightforward. You close your eyes. And you let whatever images pop into your mind happen. You don't stop any of them. And then you analyze it after. You figure it out after, like, what just happened? And some scary stuff might happen. You might get demons and you might get fears that pop up. You might get all sorts of stuff. You might get really great things. Have a, like right now, if I close my eyes and do it, I'm in a field. There's like a bunch of flowers. It smells kind of nice. It's really sunny. I'm walking through. But there's like a doorway. Like literally, I just close my eyes and start on a meditation. And it's like, whoop. Okay, that's what I see. I'm like, okay, what's to the doorway? Open the doorway and there's like a big slide. It goes infinitely downward. It's like, do I want to, I don't know if I want to go down there. It's so beautiful in this field. Do I really want to go down there? I don't know. Suddenly this, I feel something on my shoulders and it pushes me and I go down the slide. 
and it's sliding infinitely down faster and faster and faster and faster. There's this cold air brushing past me, stone slide, by the way. And then I end up in this dark pool of water and I'm treading water there and I look up and I can see the light from this, from the top of where I fell from. And there's kind of this, like this being, this humanoid being up there and he closes the door and now it's dark, pitch black. I feel some stuff swimming by my feet. Like literally I could, (laughs) who knows where this meditation would go? I have no idea. That's the start, right? That's literally how it starts. And that could go anywhere. I don't know where that'll go. It's like watching a movie and you don't know what's going to happen. But then by the time it's done, there's always some really deep message that I walk away with. Like, oh God, right. Okay, don't do that. Make sure you do this. Anyway, we'll wrap this podcast up here and I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.